Hello from Legal Week 2019 in New York City, New York. I'm Lawrence Coletti. I'm June Liebert. Gene O'Grady. Cheryl Smith. And I'm Cynthia Brown. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are uh, at Legal Week 2019 here in New York City, New York. We're at the Hilton. We're in Mid-City Manhattan. Is that correct? Did I get that right, everybody? Midtown. Midtown. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm not a New Yorker, so I apologize. Although I do know this. I do know it's housed in that Houston Street. Yep. Did I just uh, redeem myself in your eyes? Okay, perfect. I'm the only New Yorker here. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Perfect. All right. So, all right, we're going to start just with a quick little bio. So, I was just at your presentation. It was called From Conversation to Conversion, Getting Lawyers to Use New Tools. It was, I believe it was sponsored by the American Association of Law Libraries. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, perfect. We're going to get into that. But before we do that, I want to get to know you a little bit better. So, let's start with June. Where do you work? What do you do? So, I am the firm-wide director of library and research services at Sidley Austin, which is a global law firm. And I oversee the research operations, but I also have a weird background in that I'm also um, a former IT person and I used to be a CIO. Excellent, and our native New Yorker? Uh, I'm Gina Grady, I'm the senior director of research and knowledge services at DLA Piper. I am now based in DC. Uh, I also write the Dewey B strategic blog Excellent. Cheryl? Uh, I work at O'Melveny and Myers in Los Angeles. I'm the Director of Information Services, so I manage the library functions and also the records functions. Excellent. Cynthia? I'm the Director of Research Services at Littler Mendelssohn. We are a nationwide firm with 1,000 attorneys, and we have several uh, non-U.S. offices as well. We have a team of 25 located in Kansas City, Missouri that does all of our research, and that's who I work with every day. Excellent. So back to from conversation to conversion, getting lawyers to use new tools. Thank you so much for providing me part of your presentation over here. So from what I can gather, there's a cycle to new product innovations being adopted at law firms. So it looks like it starts with selection and then it goes to testing, then it goes to promoting, and then it goes to review. So Let's get the 50,000 foot. Just kind of give me a general idea of how you guys broke this down and uh, got into it. So who wants to volunteer? Well, I started the conversation. This is June. And the reason we came up with the life cycle was that we looked at what marketing does. So when people make purchasing decisions, they usually use a life cycle to make that decision on how to, you know, they, they do the research, they have that moment of need. So we kind of looked at that and said, well, with lawyers, the problem is that they're not doing the selection. We're doing it for them. And so what we really need, and this is kind of the, the theme of my talk, was really about developing trust with the people that you work with, that they have to be able to trust you to know them to, so that when you suggest a product, they'll buy it. So that's like outside this cycle. That's like long before this cycle applies. Yes. You're, uh, you're building trust with, uh, with your employers. Exactly. All right. So uh, selection process. So I think that's real important. I've been on both sides of this as a uh, consumer and as someone selling products uh, to different organizations. And so I've seen both sides. And uh, I've also been, you know, in the purchase role, you know, it's, I, I would imagine it's got to be very difficult to get, you know, a uh, people like use attention in order to kind of review a product. So walk me through uh, just that kind of the rubric of thinking 
you see a need, you're looking at uh, different products, what is the thought process for selecting the proper product? Well, the main thing is research. So you have to know your users, you have to know what products are out there, and, um, and then put the two together. So it's all about the packaging. But the main thing is understanding your users. Okay, so now that you've made a couple of selections, now do you recommend getting a few options in mind uh, to do some pricing, kind of pit them against each other? Yeah, so that takes us to testing. Yeah, absolutely. You need to look at all the various products on the market. It's important to do your due diligence, and it's important that you see what has changed because these, um, the legal industry, it isn't one and done. You don't you know, buy a research tool and that's the, one, the only one you're ever going to use. Um, all of these, we have new vendors all the time and the, um, the tools are changing. So you have to continually review and keep yourself updated. And we rely on each other to say, you know, have you tried this tool? I haven't seen that one. Have you heard of this new, new tool? Because as June was saying, um, we have to have trust with our attorneys and our, those are really our clients. Um, they may not know they have a problem. They may not know they need a new product. Um, and so we have to be out there looking to see what's available. And when you, before you make a decision, you absolutely have to shop around and do your due diligence because you're spending the firm's money. And you have to get the right product in there. So one of, the, uh, one of the things I would look for when picking out new platforms, I would look at how long the, the company's been in business. And so what I didn't want to have happen is that we get orphaned at some point and then you'd no longer get service to the product. There'd be no more mm -hmm. updates and that would be the end of it. You'd have to look for another platform. And so my question is, in addition to maybe a question like that, you know, how long have you been in business? What's your reputation? What are some of the factors you look for? Well, we're very interested in doing business with new companies, but we will look at them and say, mm, what kind of startup are we looking at here? Um, and we've looked at a lot of these. And so I think I can speak for everyone in saying, um, you know, you can interview a new vendor and say they're on the right path, things are going to go well, or mm, this is a startup that isn't going to be here for a while. So um, I really like looking at new startups. This is an industry that is ripe for innovation and disruption and change. Um, and it's difficult to deal with publishers that have been around for a very, very long time. I mean, they're making changes as well, but there's new people that are forcing them to do that. So I think that's important. Um, but when I look at a vendor, I want to make sure I'm going to have a good relationship. They're going to be able to get a hold of a hold of me and I'm going to be able to talk to them whenever I need to. Um, they're really going to solve my problems and I just need a feel. How about promotion? Our key thing with promotion is that um, we attempt to promote not by promoting the product but promoting what that product is going to do for the attorneys, how it can make them more efficient and how it can fit into their regular workflow. So uh, the, the promotion is geared around that customize it as much as possible to the group that is receiving it. Um, we, all of us uh, here, have to have, you know, we have a suite of products that can number over 200 products. So we have to make sure that we are customizing the promotion to what that user group is. Is it a specialized product that has, you know, 10 users? Is it a large product that, um, you know, we can break down and, and promote specifically what it's going to do to help them support the clients in a better way? And how does that work? Because if someone's very busy, they're getting ready for a huge case, and it's just a constant conveyor belt of a lot of long hours, week after week after week, how do you break through and get their attention and say, listen, I know you're super busy, but this will help you out. This will make your life easier. This will save you time. How do you break through that wall? 
you use whatever you can to break through the wall. Uh, sometimes it's a champion who can say to them, it's a firm leader who would say, this is going to make you more efficient, I want you to use it. Sometimes it's a librarian going up to their office and saying, here, let me show you quickly. I can show you how to do this in two minutes, and this will help you. Uh, sometimes we have to wait until the trial's over. Uh, you just um, take what you're given in terms of opportunity and uh, do the best you can to make them see it. I'd also like to point out that I think there is a, a, a fairly long adoption cycle for many legal products because lawyers are busy and they're not going to end, and I think they're somewhat change averse. So I think one of the things that my part of the talk was about uh, measuring analytics and adoption. And I think one of the things I've looked at by having tools that, sh that can give me a retrospective uh, history of, of product adoption, I now know that it's not unusual for it to take three years for a, a product that is geared at a particular practice group to, to be fully embraced and regularly used. But having, it is, when you, when you have, as um, Cheryl said, over you know, two to 300 products, you really need a tool on, that measures the adoption so you know who the users are. There's lots of ways you can use that data, both on the budget side, but also understanding who the users are and who's not using it. So we get we have a tool that gives us a breakdown by by office, by practice group. And so like for some tools, you know that there's gonna be a small user group and that's fine. Um, but when you know there are instances when even vendors are going to you know, for, or for one reason or another, a product turns out not to be as good, it doesn't get adopted, or a vendor is, seems to be abandoning the product, we can take the data that we have and we understand who are the big users and we talk to them about the migration process of moving on to another product. So there's just limitless ways of using it. The other thing we do and to drive adoption is to give people quick links or just solutions. Like, they don't even need to know what the product is. We have a whole cluster of quick links where anybody can go and use it, a secretary, a paralegal, and it, it, there's a list. I want a judge's bio, I want a, I want a docket, I want a patent. They don't even need to know the product is, what the product is, but that is a legitimate use and leveraging of a product. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, Getting rid of billing for online products, I really now believe that digital resources are a utility like light and water and air, and we should just let lawyers be as smart as they can be, and we try and not have billing be an obstacle to the lawyers delivering the best result to the clients. The other big thing that's happening, we have a wave of analytics products. Lawyers are not used to working with data. They're, so I actually found a champion in my firm to help me uh, run boot camps for litigators, and then we track the adoption of the litigation tools following the boot camps. And the other thing I discovered was something I call adoption by proxy, which was not only did the people who attended the boot camps increase their use, but then lawyers who had just heard about the, the boot camps and heard about the new products began sending requests to the research team. So generally building awareness over time will help lawyers embrace analytics just as it took actually years for lawyers to embrace online research. I mean, I go back long enough where I knew that there were lawyers who had, didn't want a password. They wanted to keep using digests and, and hard copy reporters. Over time, that obviously that changes and I think we will see a faster evolution to the embracing of products like analytics and insights in practice.
I love metrics. I love applying those uh, in our daily life. You know, as a podcasting network, we definitely keep a pretty close eye on our metrics, our unique listens, and, and things like that. So, just getting back to that, these numbers, you're, you're building a bridge of understanding. You're showing, you're, you're demonstrating to the law office that you know these products and services will work. Here's here's how it's doing it. Walk me through some of those key. Uh, performance indicators, those KPIs that you're focusing on. So you've got a data package, a stats package, metrics package, and you're focusing on what? Well, you know, if, if it's a product for litigators, are the litigators using it? And are the litigators in all of the offices using it? And if there is, say, one office where there's no adoption or little adoption, we focus on either having webinars or sending somebody to the specific office. Uh, we collect the data we also collect the data and feed it into a budget tool so that we understand what is the cost per user, what is the cost per session. And so we understand over the life of the product, are we getting a good return on our investment? So we take the data and repurpose it for a variety of reasons. But in the beginning, it's always about adoption. Are we having an appropriate level of adoption? And uh, I also showed a slide where we also track a decline in adoption so that w I get a red flag when use of a product is going down and we don't know is that because our product has changed, is that be our practice has changed, or is it because the product isn't as good as it used to be? And so we begin to evaluate eliminating that product so we can get it out of the budget and then buy something that will be more useful for lawyers. So the last step on the map is reviewed, and we've kind of gotten into that a little bit with, with the metrics and the stats. I just want to get into some of the other factors. Maybe there's some non-numeric factors that go into reviewing a particular product or service to analyze whether or not it's an effective add-on to your firm. So can we breach into that a little bit? Can I add, um, so aside from the quantitative, which is really useful, we also do a lot of qualitative, and I'm sure all of us do this, is that you really have to find out so if somebody's using it 20,000 times a month, why is that? And why does no one else seem to understand why it's important? And so we will actually identify these outliers and see, you know, and talk to them. What is it that's really working for you? And then we try to use that as our bright spot and we use that as our story that we tell to other people. Um, so I think it's really important to have that qualitative aspect. And when we do the product reviews at the end, let's say we're doing a renewal, we have to have the qualitative part because the CFO wants to know, why do we have this? How are they using it? And so we use both. It's really important to have both. I just had an example where we were reviewing our metrics and we saw the report and uh, my CKO said, why isn't this department using this tool? That was one of the reasons we purchased it. He said, will you please train them? And I said, no, they don't need to be trained. I've trained them. They know how to use it. They don't know why to use it. And so that was a mistake on our part because as the four of us have discussed, you purchase a product to fix a problem and you market it to fix a problem. You don't just purchase and then tell people I have this great product. So we went back to that group and said, we've showed this to you already, but let us give you some use cases and let us help you understand why this is important for you to use and how it will help you. You said earlier that you put together these reports and you share them with, with other people that are looking to implement new products and services into their law firms. Is that a report by name? Is there a title for it? How do you reach that? The reports I was showing were all about my um, 
what I do within my firm, but I actually, may I say, on my blog, I recently did a hits and misses post where I'm actually collecting data from people who read my blog about various products that have come into the market in the past couple of years, and I will be sharing that publicly, but you know, I think all of our firms, we, we might share adoption information anecdotally, like this has gone well, or when we did this kind of a program, the lawyers adopted it. Like I have talked about my the boot camps we're doing, many of my colleagues are interested in the boot camps. Um, I know that Cheryl talked about her workflow products that were built at her firm, and you know I, I, I got information from her because in their workflow product that they built, it automatically ties lawyers into products. They don't even need to know what the product is. It says, I'm moving from this task to this task, and it, sh it just brings the lawyer into the right product. So in that sense, we learn from each other from our success stories. Yeah, I think it's important to have that trigger moment, identify that trigger moment. And so a lot of times, you know, we will even try to identify preemptively a moment in which somebody might need a tool, and then we'll just deliver it to them, even if they've not asked for it. So let's say you have a new client who just came in the door. Well, they're going to need background about that client immediately. So why not just deliver it? And so that's the kind of thing that also can help if you can preemptively provide information before they even know they need it. Well, we're running out of time, but before we close it, I have one last question for you. If our listeners, they want to reach out, learn more about what we've all been discussing today, how can they find you? Let's start with June. So you can reach me at jliebert, J-L-I-E-B-E-R-T, at sidley.com. And Jean? You can reach me at jean.ograde at dlapiper.com. How about that blog? Can we share that? Yes, that's www.deweybstrategic.com. Excellent. And Cheryl? I'm at csmith at omm.com. Cynthia? I am at cbrown at littler.com. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today and also our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh -huh.